Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. Friends, as we're gathered together and those who are gathered with us uh, from far away online, would you all open your Bibles with me as we turn to Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, and together we seek the Lord, we seek to open our hearts and hear from His Word. Let's pray as we open the Scriptures before us. Lord, please grab a hold of us when our souls are tossed and turned, when our souls are bruised. Please grab a hold of us. Don't let us, Lord, fall deaf in this world, but let us hear from you, your living word, words of healing and of grace and of truth and of life. In Jesus' name, amen. So the gospel this morning is Matthew 12, verses 9 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. Going on from that place, he, that is Jesus, went into their synagogue And a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. And it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Amen. Amen. What a soul needs is healing mercy. Pain is an awful, but an awfully effective teacher. I bumped into a friend the other day, and she had kind of a little bit of a limp, and I said, well, what's wrong? She said, I think I broke my toe. I said, How'd you, how did you do that? She said, I was stepping into my garage, and I turned and whacked the ladder with my toe, and I think I broke it. And she said to me, Tim, is the dumbest thing in the world. No matter how hard you try, a toe and a ladder can't occupy the same place at the same time. And I tried really hard. A broken toe, well, stubbed toes are the cost of moving forward. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, you don't stub your toe unless you're making a little progress, right? Stub toes are just the way it goes. 
Band-Aids, if you want to raise kids, are part of the deal. I remember a time uh, when Abigail and I were married and, and uh, we didn't have children yet. You could have Band-Aids in the cupboard that actually go bad. <laughs> now I, I go through the store and if the Band-Aids are on sale, I just buy them. I figure we're going to need these. You know, Band-Aids are just part of the deal. Stub toes come along. If you want to move forward, if you want to live, if, you wanna, if you're going to move forward, you're, you're going to get bruised from time to time. Suffering is unavoidable. Pain is, is a guarantee. The same goes for your soul. A soul that's moving forward, a soul that's in progress, a soul moving through this life, a, a soul gets bruised. And you need to know where to go for healing mercies. I'd love it if my soul was protected from all harm. I'd love to set up life to shelter my soul. Remember, your soul is your deepest you. It's the most valuable thing about me. I'd love to know that, that I can protect it, that it's not going to get bruised at all or shaken or beat up. If you're in motion, if you're living life, your soul will get bruised. It will get hurt. It could be something I did to myself, some decision I made that, that seemed right or good at the time, but then later I, I'm filled with regret. I realized I've hurt myself. It could be something that someone else has done to you. Some hurt that they inflicted on you for whatever reason that runs so deep it goes right through your skin, right through, and, and it bruises your soul. It could be the product of some natural disaster, just some occurrence in this world that, that is, no longer seems to fit the form that God intended for it, a, a world that's been contorted and, and distorted and twisted away from God's original plan. And so things, things come along. I wish I could protect my soul. I wish I could make it like, a, like an avatar of a video game. You know, that just nothing really penetrates. And if, it, if, it, if something hits it really hard, you just get another life, you know? You just keep going. I wish we could shelter my soul in that way, but I can't. To move through life is a, is a guarantee that there will be pain. If there's anything that we learn in the teaching of Jesus, it's that we should expect to face suffering. John Ortberg writes, if you ask people who don't believe in God why they don't, the number one reason will be suffering. If you ask people who believe in God when they grew the most spiritually, the number one answer will be suffering. Pain is a, is a nasty teacher, but it's effective. It's effective. And we all get to go through her class. You know, um, it's true what I've heard that, that uh, we learn more by tears than we do by laughter. Think about the times in your life where you learned the most. One, one touch of the hot stove beats 10 times that your mother told you not to do it. One good solid clang of your head against a low beam beats a half dozen signs spread all around the room saying, duck. Sometimes we just bang into things and we're going to get bruised. When your soul bangs into things, 
Where do you go for healing? How do you respond? Where do you turn? How do you react? Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. The place you meet Jesus is a healing place. Healing overrules hurting when Jesus gets involved because Jesus is a healer. He's the great physician. He's the healer of your soul. Well, in Matthew 12, we get into one of these, these nasty little fights. Can you heal on the Sabbath? Last week, you remember, we talked about the Sabbath, one day in seven, where we, we rest in the Lord. One day in seven to stop, pray, and fill. Do you remember? And, and we give that time to the Lord to let our soul rest in Jesus. Well, now we see there's a bunch who have taken it to the extreme, to the point that they get mad at others if they don't sit still for a 24-hour period at the end of the week. So as we wade into this, remember what the Sabbath is. If I could summarize it for you, Sabbath is the place where we meet Jesus. It's a time and place mapped out and protected like a container, like a spot, a protected opportunity where we meet with Jesus and rest our souls in his care. Sabbath is where we meet Jesus. And so here we go. It's Sabbath, work stoppage day in some people's mind. And along comes a man with a withered hand. Now, some said you could work to help someone on the Sabbath, but that would be the exception, and it would need to be a life-threatening kind of a deal. Well, this is not a life-threatening kind of a deal here. So they asked Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And we know that it's not an honest question. They're not trying to be instructed. They're out to get Jesus. They're trying to pick a fight, and they think they've got one they can win. Observing Sabbath is a religious thing, and Jesus is supposed to be a religious guy. If we, if we catch Jesus working on the Sabbath, then we've got him. We've got him dead to rights. But Jesus had something greater to demonstrate. He wanted to demonstrate that healing overrules hurting when Jesus gets involved. You know, think about it, what Jesus could have said here. He could have said, hey, buddy, you know, sorry about the hand. That's a rough deal. But come back and see me after sunset. Come back and see me after the Sabbath is over. We'll see what we can do. He doesn't do that. You see, Jesus doesn't have time to watch people hurt to satisfy false religious rules. No. So he steps forward. He says, you know, if your sheep fell in a hole, you, you'd yank it out of the hole. You wouldn't let your sheep sit in, in a hole in a pit on the Sabbath day, would you? And rightly so. And so Jesus says, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath Remember, it's Jesus who said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I, I made this. It's Jesus who reminds us, this is a day God made for you. 
not to bind you down in false rules. No, no. So he says, verses 13 and 14, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Beautiful. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew and a large crowd followed. And, and just to make the point perfectly clear, Jesus went ahead and healed every single sick person that came out to see him that day. I just don't want to leave any shadow of a doubt that healing is the right thing to do. When Jesus gets involved, healing overrules hurting every time. And then follow along with me and you'll see that Matthew says this episode fulfills Isaiah 42. Look at verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I've chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. That's the Isaiah passage. Now, I don't know about you, but it made me wonder. How does what Jesus does with the, the man with the, the withered hand have anything to do with that passage in Isaiah? How does, that, how does one fulfill the other? Actually, it's not obvious but if you'll follow with me, it is profound. Look again at how Isaiah foreshadows, foretells the coming Messiah. What's the Messiah like? The Messiah comes with the power of the Spirit in the delight of the Father. The Messiah comes with justice. That's just life the way God wants it. That's shorthand for justice. The Messiah comes with justice to, to lead all people into life the way God wants it. The Messiah comes, watch this now, without quarreling or crying out, without bickering, without squabbling. The Messiah comes with mercy and care for the weak and hurting. The Messiah is hope for all people, any kind from any where? Well, Jesus fulfills this all. He shows himself to be fulfilling all of what's promised. The Spirit of God is on Jesus. He has the power to heal. He demonstrates that. He has the power to bring wholeness. His presence, his very presence is like walking into the love and the delight of God. Just being with him makes you start to believe maybe it's possible to have life the way God wants it. Maybe that's possible but even when these nasty opponents, they try to get Jesus to fight about something, even when they try to needle him and they try to pull him in and they try to get him to, to get into a quarreling match, watch what he does. He doesn't do it. You don't hear the voice of Jesus yelling angrily, shouting in the streets across protest lines at his opponents. He, he doesn't do that. He quietly brings the kingdom of God one healing at a time. He's very present. He's immediately present to the pain with help 
and with healing. And so he fulfills. He fulfills the power of the quiet Messiah who steadily reveals the kingdom of God. And what a relief that this is the character of Jesus. Can you imagine for a moment being the man with the shriveled hand? And, and, and your pain, your hand, just becomes an occasion. And all you see around you are that all these powers and authorities, all they want to do is use your, your hand, your hurting for an occasion of, of bickering and fighting back and forth about policies and regulations and rules and, and, and what, you know, what needs to happen, this, that, filing for referrals and you know, insurance regulate. Come, come on. Can you relate to that? I've been fairly close myself. You know, I'm sick. I'm sitting here sick. My kid is sick. And all you're doing is bickering about regulations and whose referral is going where and whether or not you sign the bottom of form, blah, 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 you know? Hey, I'm hurting here. Help. Jesus, he moves in with healing mercy. There's no referrals needed. There's, there's no processing that has to happen before the healing of Jesus gets involved. There are no papers to fill out, no regulations to satisfy. No, no Jesus just shows up to say, listen, the place where you meet me as a healing place. When I'm involved, healing overrules the hurting. And that message, that message about who Jesus is, that message gets proclaimed straight across the face of the earth until every nation, every people knows that Jesus is our hope, that he's like no other. This is the Jesus you need to know when your soul gets bruised. This is the character of the healer that you need to seek when your soul is hurting and broken. Can we trust them? A bruised reed, it says, he will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. We turn to the Lord, we say, Lord, my soul is like a, a bruised Read. It's like the stalk of a plant that's been kind of uh, battered and, and tender. Lord, it'd be so easy right now. It'd be so easy for it to, to snap, to break entirely. Even if it's just handled roughly, I could break. My soul, Lord, is like a, it's like a, a smoldering wick on a candle in the, in the wind. And one puff, even a harsh word spoken in the wrong way, Lord, one puff of wind and it's out. I could, this could be the end for me, not so in the Lord's hands. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. You need to see the healing hands of Jesus and the way that he will cup and comfort your soul, the way he will deal with you tenderly, lovingly, with healing mercy. You can trust him. You can trust him when your soul is at its most vulnerable, when your soul is at its most exposed, when your soul feels weak and, and bruised and wounded. You can trust him. Life hurts sometimes. Pain is very unavoidable. And in the best of cases, we face hard stuff. And the soul 
gets bruised, but in the hands of Jesus, there's healing mercy. There's healing mercy for every one of you. There's healing mercy in the hands of Jesus. This is the Jesus we need, the Jesus we need to know and trust. The place we meet Jesus is a healing place. What if you broke your leg and you never went to the emergency room? Wouldn't that be ridiculous? What if your friend, (laughs) what if your friend broke her ankle and said, I think I'm just going to walk it off? How would you, how would you counsel her? Now, what if your soul is bruised? Shouldn't you turn to the healer of wounded souls? Shouldn't you go to the place of healing mercies? Shouldn't you turn to the one who knows how to shelter and and heal and restore a wounded soul? Because listen, we're going to act on our woundedness. One way or another, that broken leg is going to affect you. It's going to affect the way you walk. One way or another, the woundedness, the brokenness that's deep inside of you, it's going to work its way out. What's broken on the inside works its way out to the outside. And either we we suck in on ourselves and try to defend our souls by focusing on how wrong and awful it all was and that we had to suffer this way, and then we fall into this this sucking, bottomless vortex of self-pity. Have you ever been there? There's no bottom to that pit. There's no end to that darkness. And we're just pulled in deeper and deeper into self-pity. Or, or, we turn outward and we show our wounds to Jesus. We put our brokenness in his hands. We trust him to deal with the most the most vulnerable places in our souls. And in the hands of Jesus, something beautiful happens, something profound. Your brokenness becomes beauty again. Your woundedness becomes a place where you can express empathy for others, where you understand the pain that others are going through, where God not only breaks you out into the light of Christ and into the light of healing and wholeness, but he begins to use you as an instrument to heal others. And Jesus takes the broken pieces and makes something profoundly beautiful. And then we're able to to hope again, we're able to walk again, we're able to pray again, we're able even to find joy again. In Ann Voskamp's new book, The Broken Way, she, uh, she shares a lot about her own personal pain and struggles. She's a woman who went through profound pain early in her life, and, and some of the pain in, in her life and woundedness, she experienced it coming out in ways that were deeply self-destructive. But she also knows what it means to give her pain to Jesus, what it means to, to put her brokenness in the hands of the one who knows healing mercy. The soul needs, your soul needs healing mercy. In the Voss camps, they live on a farm, and, um, and one evening when Anne was feeling particularly fragile, her husband who she calls the farmer. He comes in and kind of puts his arms around her and he says this, you know everything all across this farm says the same thing. You know that, right? 
The seed breaks to give us the wheat. The soil breaks to give us the crop. The sky breaks to give us the rain. The wheat breaks to give us the bread. And the bread breaks to give us the feast. There was once even an alabaster jar that broke to give him all the glory. Never be afraid of being a broken thing. Never be afraid of being a broken thing. Brokenness in the hands of Jesus brings beauty. Pain in the hands of Jesus becomes something else. When Jesus is involved, healing overrules the hurting every time. Now, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week about churches, and and it was about how churches, they said, have, have lost the ability to lament. People are worried that we're, that as Christians, we're, uh, we're not sad enough, I guess. No, they worry that, that churches are so success-oriented that you're not able to bring the reality of your pain into the community of faith. Well, we need room to be, to be real about our pain, to be open about the places that hurt, to, to show our, our wounds without shame, to be able to say, here's where I need healing in my life. But sometimes we forget, I think, that lament and celebration are not equals. They're not the same thing. They're not equal counterparts, not in the Bible. There's a tendency to to address joy and sadness as equals and to act like we're not serious unless we dwell in lament and plumb the depths of despair and hold them up as, as equal counterparts. That's not in the Bible. Listen to me now. In the Bible, sadness gives way to joy. In the Bible, darkness gives way to light. They're not equals. Darkness, in fact, is only the absence of light, like cold is the absence of heat. Lament gives way to joy in the Holy Scriptures. Pain is precursor to wholeness. Sickness is just something that happens on the way to eternal health and wholeness. Death, even death, and death is real. Death is real. But even death is only prologue to eternal life. In the hands of Jesus, even death itself cannot hold on to the one who belongs to him. Its grip slips, and death itself is only prologue to the eternal life. The life of pleasures in union with God and his presence forevermore. Brokenness is real in a wounded soul. Friends, a wounded soul is enough to dwell on for an age. But it can drag you down. It can pull you down. Give it to Jesus. Your soul needs healing mercy. Watch the hands of Jesus turn your broken into into beautiful for his glory. He's the champion of this after all. No one beats him. Remember, it's Jesus. It's Jesus who left the pleasures of heaven to dwell with us. It's Jesus who took on the pain and the suffering of the whole world. It's Jesus 
who agonized and suffered, feeling all the weight of all the consequences of all our wrongs and rebellions against God and, and took that on to himself. It's Jesus who was up on that cross. It's Jesus who was down in that grave. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus who took all the pain of the whole world, all the brokenness of all time, of all life, and turned it into a glorious victory, a morning sun that never sets. It's Jesus who knows how to take broken things and make beauty. Put your brokenness in his hands. Your soul needs healing mercy. Let's pray. Lord, it takes great courage and faith to trust that you can take the broken things in our lives and make something beautiful. We thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word that are ever before us, that you are the champion of this, that you, Lord, know how to take the darkest and the deepest pain and turn it into the greatest gains for your glory and for your kingdom. So we trust you, Lord. We know we can trust you with our souls. We know that you are the one who comes with healing mercy. So, Lord, for everyone here this morning, for those of us, Lord, who, who look back on a moment of great pain from which we still carry wounds, for those of us, Lord, that, that are in the middle right now of, of agonizing need for healing, for those, Lord, who are just seeing that on the, the future, on the horizon, there's something there, a challenge that we are going to have to walk through to beat an illness, to beat a sickness with many unknowns. Lord Jesus, help us all, every one of us here this morning to turn to you and to trust you with our souls, that, to know that you are the one who comes with healing mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.